life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. We had our local cars and coffee this morning. We did. It was pretty cool. It's it, becoming quite a thing. It's actually. becoming an actually There's a big huge thing. Huge turnout. Become, and and I don't mean fact. this. I, I really don't mean what I'm about to say to be the least bit tacky. It is a car show for adults. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm I, glad I, of I that, don't mean actually. that to be tacky, but sometimes it becomes an all one make, or they're all stanced, or they're all this model. It or they're started all a whatever. little bit that way because there was a mm-hmm. big one in Salt Lake City that was full of stanced, and mm-hmm. everybody went. It was yeah. huge. Yeah, for sure. I think it rivaled some of the California meets. As it was. A fact. It was really large, but it definitely leaned yeah. for just that part of the car culture. This yeah. one is a lot broader than that. Of course, being Park City, there's a lot of very high end cars. Well, it's pulled cars out of Salt Lake, and it's pulled people out of Salt Lake that have these various mm-hmm. cars that think, you know what, let's take a drive up, you know, up to Park City. And I love the variety. The car. I mean, there's everything from literally yeah. cars that surprise you from the 60s and 70s all the way up to, that's got dealer tags on it. They bought that this morning kind of feel. They did. You know, The Audi RS5 that was brand new. It's amazing Holy to see the range. Cow. And it's fun for me with the Lotus to have the Lotus to, to pull in. Because, of course, I'm the solar yellow lotus, and uh, you noticed me. Uh, I was talking to our friend Donnie, who was talking oh, about the fact. Yeah. He's like, I see your car everywhere. It's like, well, I am hard to miss. <laughs> so there is that. Yeah, exactly. But I did something I haven't done before this okay. morning with the lotus. All right. I find that car really difficult to make exact reversing maneuvers. Oh, yeah, you like mentioned precise this. Precise turning mentioned this. in reverse is difficult. And I well, finally accepted it's tiny the fact. and no visibility. Exactly. I finally accepted the fact that I just can't see well enough. Now, the car's tiny, but I invariably end up putting it in the wrong part of the lane. Like, when you set, <laughs> put that car in the, middle of, in the middle of a lane, you've got like three feet on either side. And I'll right, end up parking right. it like right off the door handles of somebody else if I'm not careful. I'm like, how did I end up here? <laughs> so I did that thing. This, I finally solved it this morning. I just decided no pride except the weird car. Here's what I'm doing. I did the Lamborghini Countach thing. I didn't sit on the sill, but I cracked the door and shoved my entire upper body out of the car did you? behind me. And I parked oh, perfect. Apparently, that's the visibility I need is to stare down the back quarter panel of the Elise and back it <laughs> hey, up. Anyway. Rear visibility was not on the list <laughs> when they were designing that car. It didn't even make the, you know what, we should in packaging think about. I mean, for example, on the NSX, it was. Yeah. It's actually pretty good yeah. in that car. Well, rear, rear visi- yours, yeah, didn't even make the list. Rear visibility down, like, but where the rear wheels are, irrelevant. The person behind you, you can see because they're, you either just passed them or they're gunning for you. But the whole, uh, where's the curb? I've got no idea. None. <laughs> Zero. So I opened well, the door. I'm glad that worked. Solved it. Solved hey. it. If you don't know where you're at, get out and check. <laughs> and that applies to any car you're driving. If you it's don't true. know, even if you're pulling in, nosing into something and you don't quite know, there is no shame in getting out yeah. and looking. Yeah. There's no shame. There's much more shame in, in hitting something or exactly. digging it or getting out and going, oh, great. My sister told me this. And, I mean, I'm taking car advice from my sister. But she drove motor coaches <laughs> as a summer job for oh, Princess right. Tours yeah. uh-huh. in Alaska. And they explicitly instructed their drivers – if you don't know where you're at, because they would drive these on the train cars to get to Whittier, mm-hmm, Alaska, mm-hmm. and the where they knew the width of the bus was, they looked the the lug nuts sticking out. That's how they know. That's why those lug nuts are so long oh, on trucks and buses, because they're looking at their lug nuts to see where their wheels are at. Interesting. 
And she said, they instructed us, if you don't know where you're at, just get out and look. Interesting. If you hit something, way more shame. Yeah. (laughs) Far, far worse. Why didn't you get out and look? Yeah, that's funny. So I, I, the same way, no shame whatsoever. So great group this morning. That was a lot of fun. We hope you're having some sort of car fun this past weekend. Happy Tuesday to you. Yeah. Uh, We're recording this a little bit early because we got a lot of scheduling stuff going on. I am almost done with stuff for season three. I've got about a week or 10 days more of of editorial and post-production on season three. Okay. And then mid-August, we're already shooting season four. We're locking that down. So that's happening. We are, I promise you, okay, back time what I just said about my schedule. We are slowly gathering all the info for the first weekend in October Utah meetup. Yeah. It will go live on the website in about a week or so. It is going to be going live right about the time that I wrap up post because it's on my extreme list of things to do. But TV is first. So that is definitely happening first weekend of October. We're shooting second weekend of October. There's so much going on this fall, and I'm really excited about the chance to be with you guys and just do stuff. Thanks to all of you that are listening here locally that have said hello to us recently. I feel like there's been a lot of those conversations. Yeah, pretty cool. Thank you. If you happen to roll through Park City for fun and you want to say hello, we're open to that as well. Yes, I'm putting that out there. Um, Yeah. That's what I know. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode two that we just crossed this last weekend. Mm -hmm. And coming up on Saturday, July 21 is episode three. And I'm teasing it now. It's the Honda Civic Type R versus the Focus RS. That's a fun one. It's red and blue cars. Yeah. So the Civic Type R is red. Yeah. Focus RS is blue. It is awesome. I cannot wait to share this with everybody. It's a very fun one. It's one of my favorite ones of the season. And all six of these are very divergent. I keep saying that because I keep being kind of amazed by it as well. No kidding. But uh, I've got two or three real favorites of this season, and this one is one of them. So I'm very excited. It's going to be awesome. So that's 7.30 Eastern time, Velocity Channel, Saturday, July 21. So that will replay if you don't, you know, don't catch it this time around. Mm -hmm. So everything will repeat. Don't worry. But can't wait to share that with you. And thanks to our presenting sponsor, Covercraft, yeah, yeah, as well sure. as Grio's Garage, Auto Tempest, and Brush Hero 2. That code every day will work for Grio's Garage and Covercraft. Mm-hmm. Covercraft, you can get free shipping in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Grio's will give you 10% off your order. So and use those in, codes. Keep in mind, with Covercraft, they're shipping large-ish items to you. So that free shipping matters. You're going to appreciate that free shipping. And, and honestly, it's been hot enough of late. I've been using sunscreens and everything. My wife has even kind of come around because it's gotten hot again. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the sunscreen for her Cayenne works great. But she doesn't use it a lot oh, of times. Yeah, She's right. like, yeah, the sunscreen, whatever. But now it's getting hot again. My it, wife's like, where's the sunscreen? Let's yeah. put that up. Let's put that sunscreen up. It actually helps. Yeah, it's it great. absolutely does. It's, here's the thing. i got to talk to our friends at Covercraft. Yeah. There is one way I need to talk to them because they do <laughs> not make one for the Lotus. Think they can make you a custom one? I don't know. I'm going to ask them what's involved. Because Maybe. I would love to have one for the Lotus. There's one company that sells a decent one for the Lotus, and I have it. But it's a roll-up, foily kind, and I kind of oh. hate that. Oh, yeah. Just spring-loaded action sticks into the corners kind well, of thing? No, but, it, but it, it rolls into that terrible roll, and oh, it's crinkly yeah, and all that kind of stuff. No. Which works, trust me. Without one, the, the car's a sauna. Okay, oh but with one, so it, help, it helps have anything. I could probably put yeah. up a, a bed sheet and be improved. <laughs> but the Covercraft ones, because they fold flat, are so much easier to work with, and they're not that crinkly, yeah, foily junk. Great. Anyway, I'll have to talk to them, see if I'm sure they would sell two one to me and one to somebody else. Hey, listening. they might. Yeah. There's, there's a business case. I, maybe, talk it up. Maybe there is. We'll see. You know, anyway, other lease owners this might This is go what for the unique too. car reality is, yeah. Well, we've got a topic Tuesday that is pretty cool and uh, another car debate after the break for George and Sarah H. They're in Guatemala City, Mm -hmm. Guatemala. They wrote in to ask about turning over the entire garage. Let's start again. They're open to this. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. So they're uh, they're working down there and uh, 
Can't wait to debate that. But first, we got to get to this topic Tuesday here because this is a hard one. B Burles on Instagram wrote to us recently and said, you know, how about the best cars for each decade? Not every decade since cars were in existence, but how about cars that re- best represented that decade? Yeah. In, yeah, yeah. And what I liked about this question is it can change. A month from now, we can think, you know what? <laughs> That's true of all of these. You know, all of these topics. So Tuesdays it's very subjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but sure. I like this, and I like breaking it down. I actually started way back in the 50s, and I brought Good. it all the way to the 10s is what I'd, I'm calling I, this decade. I, I couldn't go back further than the 50s, but I did go back 50s as well. You did? Okay. Yeah. And, I, I, and I'm curious of your approach. My approach, I guess, is kind of similar. There's some crossover here, kind of similar to what we just did with uh, – um, iconic cars, like mm-hmm. the top five moment in time cars. There, there's some similarities here because right. I was thinking about cars that, look, there's plenty of cars on my list uh, right now that are not cars I've driven. Plenty of them. Oh, sure. But mm. I was trying to think about cars where when I see that car, I think about the culture that lived around it, like mm-hmm. time period-wise it lived around it. it. That was a car that is representative of that time much more so than is it the best to drive? Was it the most whatever? It's just indicative okay. of that time period. And I see it and I am aware of where it goes culturally hmm. and timeline-wise. That's how I picked these. That was kind of my headspace too. And I do have some particular cars to call out here, but I looked at it as uh, this decade belonged to blank manufacturer. Okay, interesting. That's All how right. I look at sure. it. Because sure, sure, sure. I think of, you know, 90s and this is the manufacturer. Maybe two or three. That, okay. All you right. know what? The 90s belong to those manufacturers. Okay, that was I like cool. that too. Even though like too. Yeah, yeah. we could slice and dice this up because there's car manufacturers that had great cars in every decade. Sure, of even course. Even the 70s. Yeah. So yeah. we could say, okay, well, that car was great. I mean, well, I have a we couple could go of cars. Far. I have a couple of cars that you'll see. I put them in decades where... They remind me of that decade, but they didn't start in that decade. Hmm. Good. You know, they started at the tail end of one decade, but by the time they became a thing, it was a next decade. And they, and they, and oh, they, they sure. define that decade for me. I'll tease one right now, for okay. example. The, uh, the Volkswagen van. Oh. Okay. Or, uh, you know, the Beetle. I'll go with the Beetle. The okay. Beetle's been around forever. Well, yeah. But that's a late 60s, early 70s car. I think of that car as a 70s car. Right. It's not a 70s car. It's like, I mean, 59. It's, a, it's pretty much in this entire category. Every decade, it's out there. Yeah, that's but I think true. Of it a car and it's 70s. all about the Volkswagen Beetle. Moving on to the debate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we finished that topic. Exactly. Best car of every decade. Volkswagen Beetle, moving on. All of our listeners are not here next time. That's, that's how that happens. Yeah. But anyway, but the things like that happen where it's a car that I know didn't come out there, but that's the, that's the place mm-hmm. that it goes in my head. I have a car like that too. Okay. Well, let's that's start. Funny. 1950s. Where are you? I think the 50s belong to Cadillac. I can see it. I, I keep saying it. that, you know, Cadillac was the height of optimism in the post-war. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what? Everybody's got a car, you know, just huge. Let's go crazy with the styling. The yeah, tail fin yeah, yeah. era, of course. One of my favorite Cadillacs is actually the 53 because it looks so heavy and chunky and it's this huge, enormous, how does that thing even move kind of car <laughs> slathered in chrome. But of course, the 59 Cadillac, the Series 62 is one of my favorites. That's just an enormous car. But also Mercedes. And the particular car mm. for the 50s is the 1955 Mercedes 300 SL, the Gullwing Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sticks out in my mind. That's as, a huge one there. Okay, that's the 50s. That screams 50s mm-hmm. for the Europeans for me. Sure, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, I think Cadillac owned the 50s i see it i i, I had just the, did i had yeah i i see all the cars you're mentioning there i also i will admit that my list is very u.s market biased 
Fair enough. Okay. I, I try to but, divide it up a little but, bit. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I see your your fifty three. I like the, the the big old Eldorados with the massive fins and the double the double front uh, headlights and just the, yeah, those yeah, are yeah, crazy. So those those Sweet. Cadillacs are so fifties. But then I have to say the uh, mid seventies Chevy Bel Air. Okay. All right. Okay. That fifty-seven Chevy look. Okay. Oh, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. that whole that whole car. What's funny to me about the fifties? If you're not talking crazy Cadillacs, you look at the Chevy Bel Air, and I feel like almost every American manufacturer was making that shape. Yeah, pretty much. But the the Bel Air kind of defines it for me. All right. So that's a big car for me. So I think that Chevy Bel Air for me is very much fifties. And then I I do I love those big fend caddies. That, those are the two that were from on my list. So cool. I mean, again, you could argue tons of things, all kinds of things. But you know, Studebaker champions don't stick mm-hmm. out in my mind. Is you know what? That was an era defining car. No, <laughs> they were just trying to make a go of it and sell some cars. But so many of those sedans are approximately the same shape in the fifties. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, I just thought, all right, fifties just screams Cadillac and. Uh, I mean, 60s, moving on a little bit. There was some crossover in the tail fin era. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, of course, things died down. I think the 60s belong to Jaguar okay. and Corvettes. Okay. I think All right. the 60s is when the Corvettes really caught on as yeah, more than the Boulevard gorgeous. Cruiser. Yeah, they're gorgeous. And everybody went, oh, man, Corvettes. Yeah. But then Jaguar for the Europeans, for the Brits. Yeah. Coming on strong with the the E type. I mean, yeah, the C the C two vet and that Jaguar E type. E types, of course, on my list. Nobody's surprised by that. Yeah. As I started digging into the sixties, I thought of a few. Uh, again, the Volkswagen Beetle starts to get a rise in the late sixties, as does the Volkswagen Van. But those go into the seventies. <laughs> it's the Beetle for every decade. But but I also thought the sixties, <laughs> the Lincoln Continental suicide door. Uh, that's a great one. That's plus, a great one, especially in convertible. That's a car from the 1960s, and you just know it. It's just a car from the 1960s. There it is. Lincoln peaked in the 60s, <laughs> and it's been a downhill slide ever since. Tonight's T-shirt is Lincoln peaked in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> that's... They did. I mean, the JFK car, the suicide doors, but, on and on, and of course the E-type. But I also think the Alfa Romeo Spider goes here. Oh, you do? Yeah, that, that, that early version of the Spider. that's in a very 1960s car. And of course, the movie The Graduate is an influence here as well. Sure, sure. But that's a car that is like the alt car in the mm. 60s. You saw a lot of them, but there they are. You know, that, that, that Alfa Romeo Spider is there for me for sure. Wow. I struggled with the 70s a little bit. Not okay. to say that there weren't good cars. Many people struggled with the 70s. I would like that noted. <laughs> the 70s was a difficult, odd decade, yes. And I thought, okay, there's standout cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Porsches quite yet, even though Porsche did have some great 70s 911s. Yeah, okay. Great sure. 70s cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But coming back to it, I mean, we're talking the, the oil crisis and on and on. Mm-hmm. And all kinds of things that affected cars so negatively. For sure. <clears throat> Ford, Cobra, two. Mustang. Yeah, the Mustang, too. Yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? So I came to Jeep and Chrysler. Now, okay. they were separate at that they point They were separate in time. companies, yeah. For sure they were. As was AMC. Mm-hmm. I mean, AMC was still, you know, kind of doing their thing. But I still think Jeep and Chrysler, I mean, you know, the, the Cordobas and the LeBarons and the, all that kind of stuff that people were kind of a little bit more frugal with their money, I think. And yeah. Still wanting some good luxury, but, you know, kind of going after Chrysler, and that's when they had their... I think they just came on strong, Mm. interestingly, in the 70s. But Jeep as well, because Jeep is one of those mainstays like the Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, yeah. Any era you point to, hey, Jeep, they're cool. I don't care what year it is. It's cool. It's a Jeep. 
Why not? Yeah. So I, I look at Jeep for the seventies and you know, you look at the, the seven slot grill, it's, it's mm-hmm. inherent in the design for forever. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm looking at, uh, at those. I, I, I like see the, the seventies. Okay. I see the seventies as this. It's interesting because of the oil crisis and all of that situation, the mid seventies is a black hole for cars. The early seventies <laughs> is we're still getting bigger and bigger and bigger engines and that kind of stuff. That is the carryover of the freewheeling sixties. It's still happening in the like 71, 72, right? But then mid-70s, you do have Mustang too, and other cars that are just trying to be the exact opposite of that world. And the cars go into this weird malaise area black hole. But then in the late 70s, even though the car manufacturers are kind of climbing out a little bit of that, what do we do about all these new regulations? The cars aren't fast, but they start to become very ostentatious because now we've got the disco era. True. Okay, True. so this is where my head's at. So in the 70s, I've got the, the, the Barracuda. That's that is there. the 1970s to me. The whole, the haunches, <laughs> the scale of that car, That's that awesome. car's, it's car's kind of ridiculous in a fantastic, ostentatious 70s way. Yeah. Really like that one. In a similar way, what happens to the design of the Corvette over the course of the 70s? It's dramatic, as a matter of fact. Those fenders just get really big up front and the haunches in the yeah. back, and it's just this long, wide, fendered thing in the 70s. Big, big 70s look there. Yeah, love that. True, true. And similarly, the, I was talking about ostentatious, the Pontiac Trans Am. Think of the, ba- the totally. Smokey and the Bandit car, okay, totally. with the fire chicken on the hood. This is not a fast car. Late 70s. I think it Late had, 70s, like 78. No, horsepower? It's around the 200 mark in a, in a car if you're that, lucky. that weighs more than it should. I mean, but this is all oh they could gosh. do, right? But that car, I mean, come on, it's got the fire chicken on the hood, right? Totally I mean, this is, awesome. this is absurd, and yet it is so 1970s. They're still cool cars. They're still cool cars. They're not good cars, but they're no, cool they're cars. Cool. There's exactly. a very big difference. <laughs> and in this same vein of the 70s, the Ferrari Daytona. Oh, see, yeah, they're standout cars. Long, ostentatious. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's just it's one of those forever hood cars. It's like, why? how is True. this this long? It's True. just this long. And, and I don't know why, but every time I think of Ferrari Daytona, which they made in a really nice blue and a good-looking red. The first image that comes into my brain, like my personal brain snapshot, is a brown one. Because it's the 70s. Well, it is the 70s. It's a brown Ferrari Daytona. Everybody was doing it. You know, with the big sidewall rubber and all of that. So that's the 70s for Avocado me. Avocado green. Oh, man. I sat in a 73 Ferrari Daytona, the convertible. Mm. And okay. this was a car. Oh, man. This, this had to be eight years ago now in okay. the, at the Monterey auctions yeah and it was reserved at eight or nine hundred thousand dollars then mm. i'm just going <laughs> barely driven it had i don't know twenty thousand miles on it something like that v12 no. gigantic hood and they're they're spectacular i mean i <sighs> love them as, of course i do i love them in every color i can think of and I've, i just pulled up a bunch of pictures and the pictures are awesome in every color so i love it amazing. in blue but i don't know why the first way it comes into my mind is as a brown ferrari daytona because <laughs> it's the 1970s yeah <laughs> course all right so 80s excess come on mm-hmm. yuppies was all i could think about when i when i <laughs> okay. came to the 80s i could sure all sure, i thought sure. about yeah. was houston and yuppies okay and right. bmws and having you know the 1989 bmw 325i sure, every sure, sure. cute girl drove in high school and well and then it was know. just you know it was the m3 for the executives everybody was driving three it series. was like three the series jetta you know yeah. of practically its, practically of its was day. crazy every cute girl had one but of course the 1987 lamborghini countach is on my list mm-hmm. i had the poster it was white mm-hmm. wanted one but yeah anything from the bmw lineup this was 
the 80s was BMW's Interesting. hot streak decade, okay. I think. I see that, for sure. And this, for me, is where Porsches land. Because okay. of excess, because of the 3.2 Carreras, mm-hmm. because how good these cars were getting, that's where I'm slotting. Don't have a lot of love for 80s U.S. cars, to be honest. Okay. I mean, there's the, you know, 87 Buick Grand National, say the yes. GNX. Yes, that that's a standout on the list. car. Belongs on the list, for sure. But yep. otherwise... I'll give you an example that's going to melt your ears. Okay. The Cadillac Cimarron. Yeah. You hate that. me now, don't there's you? There's that, yeah. That, that existed. Did exist, and we've now just wasted perfectly good digital information on that again. Remember yeah. the Cadillac Catera? See, that's why the uh-huh. 50s belong to Cadillac. <laughs> because Not it hasn't been since then. the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Cadillac peaked in the 50s. Lincoln <laughs> peaked in the 60s. Oh, Terrible yeah. to say. Terrible to say. Interesting. The 80s for me is one of the most... Uh, varied decades for cars because there was a surprising amount of hero car television going on. Yeah. Are we talking Knight Rider kind of stuff? Hang on. That influences lots of things. All right. (laughs) Cars actually coming out of the 80s. I want to talk about those first. Okay. And then I want to talk about cars that are famous. And I think of them as the 80s, but they may or may not be 80s cars. So first off, cars from the 80s, the Testarossa, yeah. That is an 80s car. Now, yeah. I saw a fantastic – I have to go on a little tangent. saw a fantastic Testarossa this morning. We're going to try to get it as a fast blast. Yeah, right. It is blacked out, but he has removed the side strakes. And we it's were a having a conversation, and I agree with him. We are having a conversation about the fact that the side strakes are what make that car look like a car from the 80s. Without it, I think it's as timeless as the 355. With it, you go, that's a car from the 80s. You think Varney sunglasses. You think Patrick Nagel drawings. It's a car <laughs> oh from gosh. the 80s. You think Miami Vice. You take the side strikes out and just, give it, you just give, it a big, you give it a big side scoop. Yeah. And it starts to become as tireless as the 355. I think the 355 still beats it. I agree with you. I agree there, with there's you. There's a little bit of uh, some sharp angle that's, that's 80s, styling yes. to it that. that still screams 80s. So those but side yes. strikes, those louvers are gone on this car, which is really cool. I was talking to him about his car. He just got it back from being at the dealer for three months. What? He took it in for a tie rod issue, and they kept finding little things to solve. Oh, my gosh. In the process, you will love this. And he was laughing about it. How much did he spend? I don't even know. Oh. But here's the part of it he did say. In the process, of course, they gave him an alignment. Okay. And he saw the bill, and the alignment was 200 bucks, And he thought, that's a little much for an alignment, but it's Ferrari, 200 bucks. 200 bucks for an alignment yeah that seems cheap to me well hang on hang on because you're thinking Ferrari alignment but here's the funny part in the stack of paperwork he got back they his thinking is mistakenly included the subcontractor because they didn't do the alignment at the Ferrari dealer they sent it to their alignment specialist that has an alignment shop okay in the stack of paperwork was what he charged Ferrari they hadn't marked it up yet so he has his thing of what they char- what he charged Ferrari, oh. and then he has the bill from Ferrari, which is a $200 alignment. The actual alignment cost the Ferrari dealer $58. What? And Ferrari charged him, his, his words, the Ferrari tax for a $200 alignment. Mm. Anyway, uh, so that oh. happened. So, here's, so the Testarossa goes here. The 959 Porsche goes here. It does. 80s. Oh, absolutely. The Ferrari F40 has to go here. Yeah. Also 80s. Good. Uh, the Honda Civic goes here. Okay. Because Explain. I feel like the Civic is the place that Honda starts to make an impact in the 80s. You start to see, at least for me, I remember starting to see Civics kind of everywhere. Sure. And they sure. were that car that was, 
it wasn't the weird oddball thing you bought because they were here in the late 70s. It wasn't the weird oddball thing that, what is that? It's not a weird spaceship. It's now just becoming a car that is common and has got American manufacturers on notice and it just keeps running. It did, especially with the CVCC from Mm -hmm. 1979 Mm -hmm. and the oil crisis and Honda went, hi, everyone. Yes. Want to save some fuel? Yes. While America's struggling to make small cars, Honda is just killing it. And yeah, all of a sudden true. in the 80s, I feel like, is when those cars start to really take hold and people start seeking them out. Civics just start to become a thing in the 80s. Sure. That's why I put them here. I also, you mentioned it as well, the Countach goes here. Countach. Oh, But man. now let's talk TV cars that make an impact. Okay. All right. The 80s is the decade of the 1969 Dodge Charger, General Lee. Okay. It's when, a 1969 car, but the Dukes of Hazard were one of the top-rated shows on television. By the way, if you watch the Dukes of Hazard now, ponder the weird, innocent time we were in. That the two <laughs> most, I'm not kidding, the two most popular shows on TV when they were both on were Dukes of Hazard and The A-Team. Yeah, true. Those were top-rated shows. <laughs> Right, rewatch those now and ponder the the entertainment landscape. That entertainment television like that is the most watched TV out there. After you're finished cringing while Seriously. watching them, yes. But that also means that the weird GMC kidnapper van is cool. Yeah. But it is the '80s because of the A Team, the vanning thing. Oh my gosh! But that's that was cool because of the because of the A Team. It was, yeah. Those vans have never been cool, but you make it black with a weird red stripe and a tiny little tail and a big, huge Mr. T at the wheel, and suddenly it's cool. Uh, it's interesting what the the television landscape influenced in the car mm-hmm. world and you know their choice of cars and how they modded them mm-hmm. and whatever influenced what we liked then. Completely, completely. Very so that's on there. Two more TV, and I'm done with the 80s. Okay. I, the 80s was interesting as I started to unpack it. Of course, it's, not, it's huge and deep. And of course, Knight Rider and the kit car. Yeah, see that that has to go here too. Is that a good car? Again, my first car was a 1982 <laughs> uh, Pontiac. <clears throat> yeah, Pontiac Firebird with a four cylinder. Was that a manual? Was a terrible, terrible car. Yes, I learned At least to drive. It was a I learned to drive manual well because 90 horsepower has got to really be worked. <laughs> that four speed manual is going to take some doing because you got to find power. Okay, so yeah. that's where I learned to drive manual. But but the Knight Rider, uh, the 82 Trans Am, yeah. okay? Yeah, for sure. That's an 80s car. But then also, I have to say it, it puts this company that it, we all know, but it puts it on the map for the average person, Magnum PI and the Ferrari 308. Oh, heck yeah. Nobody's arguing that heck the Ferrari yeah. 308 is the greatest Ferrari ever. It's not, but it is most well-known Ferrari ever, I would argue, because people that don't know cars know that's a Ferrari. And they mm-hmm. know it because of Magnum PI. And then they start to equate, and I'm talking about kind of non-car people now, they start to equate anything that looks vaguely like that must be a Ferrari. Especially red. Absolutely. If your, if your Porsche is in red, even though they've got the guards red thing sure, of, of their own, yep. if your whatever, if your Lotus is, mm-hmm. is that a Ferrari? Mm-hmm. It's low. It's lower than your waist. Yep. Standing there next if to it. If my Elise was red, I bet it would happen a lot. I think it would. Yeah. I think it would. Uh, That's interesting. I'm also interested that you said the Honda Civic goes there, and I do agree with you that it influenced that decade, but I think the 90s belonged to the Japanese. I see that. Across the board, That's kind of my list as well. And especially Honda, because think about the 91 Acura NSX. Mm -hmm. You brought up the Ferrari. It's on my list. And then two or three years later, Acura drops this, or Honda drops the NSX on the world, and everybody goes, like you brought up before, Mm -hmm. wait, 
supercars can be reliable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. should be, and they come with a really great warranty, and they just run? They just run. What? I'm just going to do errands in it. Yeah. CRX, even though, yes, the CRX, is, the first gen was in the 80s, the, the CRX that I love was the 91 CRX. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love the reshape, restyle of that car. Mm-hmm. The Honda Prelude. Remember, you know, yeah, 91 absolutely. Honda Prelude, the four-wheel steering on I that know, car? I know, yeah. On a Honda kind of was killing it in the, in the 90s. I agree. Yeah. That was like Honda building the FRS then. To some degree. To some degree. That two-door sports car, even though it was front-wheel drive. Yeah. But you yeah. know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Even the, the S2000. Completely. Now, think about it. You could argue with me that, okay, so, you know, conceived and dropped in 99 and then 2000 for the AP1 generation. Yeah. That car was entirely conceived and built and dreamt up in the 90s. Yep, agreed. So Great. from it's probably 95, end, yep. 96, and they're conceiving this car to drop it mm-hmm. late 90s, early 2000s, because we think of the Honda S2000. This is a 2000s car, yeah. the odds. Yeah, yeah. But I, I say, mm-hmm. I mean, let's talk about the Mazda Miata. 1990 is when they dropped that car. Yeah. I think the 90s belong to the Japanese. I agree with that. The Mitsubishi that. 3000 GT VR4. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. You're in the you're Toyota Supra. same place I was. I was thinking about the, the 90s as the tech decade, where, oh, where so and, and, cool. and the Japanese car decade for sure. So I, cool. I had the NSX on my list. I see your uh, Miata. I love it. I see the the VR4. I, I like that. I have to say Supra. Supra's on the to, list. I have to say Absolutely. Nissan 300ZX. Yeah. But, you could also the argue the Mazda RX-7, but the rotary Mazdas, I feel like, have always been fringe more than they've been iconic, but that is still a great car. Sure, and I think the but, Miata kind of overshadowed that car as a, hey, yeah, look at what we're the doing. general people know, yeah, true. But Mazda was still doing great stuff. Yeah, Supra and the 300ZX are both on that list because yeah. they're just great, great cars. And what was everybody else doing in the 90s while they're throwing those down? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, look at it this way. Take a 90s uh, Camaro or a 90s Mustang. And look at where it is and how it drives compared to a stock version of those Supers and 300ZXs and those kind of things. No kidding. It's a very different world. Those worlds are blended now a lot more than they used to. Yeah. But they were yeah. very different worlds. So I find that fascinating. And then I have to mention another one that, that's going to – you're going to see the, the thinking resurrect in the next couple decades. Okay. All right. Where it's a car manufacturer you don't expect and they come out with parts from elsewhere. Okay, engines specifically from elsewhere, but they just did their own thing, and everybody kind of went, "What's this now?" Nineties mm, okay. McLaren F1. Oh, of course, absolutely. Oh man, and that thinking is going to show up again. But that, but in the nineties, it's it's just an island of a car. It just drops, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, "What is this now? How does do you see what they did there with the thing and the?" Across the, they're still being talked about, but that was the nineties. I mean, again, specific cars can be called out, but. Do we want to talk about the Ford Taurus from 1990s? Does we don't. anybody want to talk about 90s American cars? The the Yamaha V8 maybe, but other maybe, than that, maybe. Really. But come on, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. So yeah, I, I love that. Had some trouble with the aughts, the 2000s. Okay. okay. And I think where I'm landing is the horsepower wars. Ah, okay. In general, yeah. In sure, general, sure, sure. from okay. the Germans, as a matter of fact. Sure. Yeah. And I think down. the king of the aughts is Mercedes and AMG. Okay. I think they win for throwing down and just, hey, high horsepower, massive cars. I think Mercedes started to kind of resurrect themselves as far as build quality. Now they're, you know, fantastic again. But I think there was, I don't know, 90s were okay. Okay. But okay. then the 2000s, they really threw down and then just 
started stuffing incredible horsepower. And we'd all re- always read about the AMG anything from the 2000s was like, <laughs> what, how, how did they do that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, they're still going strong now, of course. And yeah. they've, I think they've used that as a launching place for things like the AMG GTS and GTR. Sure, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. I think that's, that kind of set them up for the success that they have now. Because remember, that AMG was a brand acquired from the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then they had to do something with it. I think it kind of manifested itself in the 2000s. Interesting. Okay. In the 2000s, I'm going to continue with that kind of McLaren F1 thinking, which is okay. cars that manufacturers, either unknown manufacturers or surprising manufacturers, that a car people kind of went, what is this now? Mm. Okay. Uh, the Nissan GTR. Now, that's late 2000s, but Nissan GTR. Yeah. That's, that's a, a 2000s car. It is. It's a techie 2000s car, and it was just this weird thing for them to drop. Yeah, true. Similarly, Bugatti Veyron. Okay. Right. Uh, the Lotus Elise. I know it has existed since the 90s. I know it has in Britain. But as far as it becomes a car in the U.S. in 05. I think it becomes a car that is in car enthusiast conscience. Or well, consciousness. In, in the U.S. it is. In, in the U.S. The it US. Is. The, you know, the S1, the early ones in, in, the U, in the U.K., I know about those. But, but it became a car that more people knew about. In the U.S. we knew about it. And it was unlike anything else. Yeah. And the closest thing to it, I think, is also a car from the 2000s. And that is the Cayman from Porsche. That's up there. Who has never yeah. really had anything that felt like it encroached on the 911's territory. Even the Boxster, because it's convertible only, didn't really encroach. They wouldn't allow it. They wouldn't allow it. And themselves. then the Cayman drops. And yes, yeah. it's the Boxster with a hard top, but the Cayman drops, and it becomes this simultaneously almost attainable Porsche, but also this car that is the, instead of a 911, which has never existed in 911 lexicon. Mm-hmm. where you would actually have it. <laughs> instead of a 911, I might get a whatever. Right, right. So the Cayman goes here. And then also another one, very much you'll see in the McLaren F1 uh, thinking, is the Pagani Zonda. Interesting. Because here comes a brand new exotic hypercar company. I mean, McLaren was known for doing F1, but they didn't do road cars. So that was weird. No. Zonda is, okay, here's a guy that worked at Lamborghini, and he's now making hand-built cars. And by the way, have you noticed the Mercedes V12? And oh my gosh, this thing is fast. Wasn't here in the U.S., but I feel like it was so crazy that it started to influence just enthusiasts in general knew of this car. Hmm. The Pagani Zonda is an early 2000s just icon to me. Hmm. Fascinating. All right. Well, yeah, I I saw that Cayman come out in 06, and mm-hmm. I just I knew I had to have it. All right. Understandable. Yeah, you know when there's cars that drop and you think, I will own that car yeah. in my life Hopefully. sooner rather than later. <laughs> I will have one. I was on a 10-year quest for an Elise. <laughs> 10-year that, quest for an Elise. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That was the Cayman for me. It dropped, and I went, yep, I'm done. The 10s, the decade that we're currently in, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm not going to call out any specific car here, but I think generally speaking, the 10s belongs to the Koreans. Hmm. I think they have redefined themselves and become so ubiquitous and so, wow, they're they're just such a great choice. Mm-hmm. And now in some cases, exceeding the capabilities of other car manufacturers for such a lower cost and mm-hmm. such a great alternative, I think this decade belongs to the Koreans, Interesting. generally speaking. Okay. Now, again, there's other cars. Plenty, plenty of great cars that but, have come out. Yeah, I see that. But I think they've just had this resurgence, and they've they've learned and then defined their own brand, defined their flavor, and now it's all about them, hmm. honestly. Okay. I actually I, – I, that makes me think about this. I actually think that this last decade, okay, from right here to the late 2000s, so like 
08 mm-hmm. to here we are in 2018. Mm-hmm. I actually think that's been a fascinating decade, decade for Porsche. Well, Because sure. of how much sure. they've broadened their model lineup. Okay. I mean, think about the fact that 10 yeah. years ago, we pretty much had, I was just talking about the fact that the Cayman came out in 06. Uh-huh. Okay, but prior to that, prior to the Cayman, I mean, the Boxster got all the original guys riled because why is there a Boxster? Right. Because it was the 911 and we shouldn't do anything else, kind of. It's kind of where well, we were. Well, Panamera okay? got people riled, too. But that's the thing, though. Yeah. We've got Big Boxster, way. then Panamera, then Cayenne, or Cayenne, then Panamera. Now we've got Macan. Mm-hmm. They have exploded their lineup, and they've exploded their lineup successfully yeah. in a way that has never happened for Porsche before. And in the last, I'm not even putting it in the 2000s or now, I'm just saying in the last decade in general, the lineup of Porsche has changed dramatically and almost across the board successfully. That is difficult. It is. I think the future actually belongs to Porsche, too. From It'll be very interesting to see where it the goes. The Mission E, the Taycan, I I. Do I mean kind of starting with that uh, Carrera GT with the crazy V10? Mm-hmm. Porsche sure. starts going. We're here to be more than a niche brand, but that leads me to a brand that I think so far has owned the 2010s, and that is McLaren. Because yeah. I think about the fact yeah, that up look, there. I I love Paganis. All right, obviously I'm a Lotus freak. But the cars I'm mentioning right now, these other exotic, Koenigsegg is fascinating to me. I think the Koenigseggs are fascinating. <laughs> yeah. But all of these yeah. I'm listen, listening right now are alts. They are, I sought out something irregular. Right. I'm I painting per- with a pretty broad brush over here, too. Yeah, but, but I'm saying those cars, if you seek out a Koenigsegg or a Pagani, besides the fact that you've got lots of money, besides that, or just but you seek out a Lotus, you are a weird guy like me. You're seeking something that is atypical. Mm-hmm. What I think is fascinating about McLaren road cars, besides the fact that they're good, is that a decade ago, nothing. They didn't exist, okay, as far as like a lineup of cars. Well. But as far as like a lineup, here we have – but but now, I mean, right 2012 now, is the MP4. I know, but I'm saying, yeah, so okay, tw- 2008, you weren't buying McLaren. But now, in 2018, if you have the money to buy a Porsche mm-hmm. or a Ferrari you're, or a Lamborghini, you are also thinking McLaren. Yeah. It is on your if list shopping, of things to consider if, if you're shopping for those cars. If you have 150, 200 grand in your pocket to buy a sports car, McLaren is on your consideration list. A brand that 10 years ago wasn't making a lineup of road cars. I have well, to give it to McLaren in the 10s. No, I, I like that. Think about this. McLaren is not just being cross-shopped. It's now a fanboy aspirational brand. It is like for me. Ferrari Completely. or Lamborghini, you know, the big boys, mm-hmm. the brands. It's not a, hey, this is an outlier and you might choose this just as an alternative and you can't Which really afford Lotus the big is. boys. Yeah. It's now a, one of the big three or four or five, mm-hmm. however many the big supercar manufacturers are. That's the are. point I'm making. They're exactly a, right. a large aspirational, like, I'm not a Ferrari fanboy, but I'm a McLaren person. Yes. Absolutely. And that amazes me because everybody else with a, if you will, supercar startup has not been able to break into that big three Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, and McLaren's gone, oh, us too. Sure. I I mean, they're still niche in terms of Of cars and manufacturing and affordability, too. Yes, but but if you're in that world, it's on your list. Mm -hmm. And then the other one I have to say is in the 10s is the Model S. Yeah, yeah. That shifts the car landscape. It sure does. It's... 5% 5% of sales, though. So it Less. shifts thinking. Less. But I don't think it influences the car landscape as much as everybody thinks it does. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. But it's a car. It's a 2010s car. Like, it is. Talk about cars from it 2010s. Is, for sure. And up. Yep. Completely. 
Wow, we have got to go to a Four break. Four hours later, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. See, the debate could rage. It, mm-hmm. it and will, it will. It will. It will move on. That's and what's fun it about could these change, Topic Tuesdays. But, uh, yeah. Hey, we'll get to more Topic Tuesdays, and then we'll come back for a quick break, and uh, then we'll get to some social media questions after that. We'll be right back. You can find a lot of weird and surprising things in cars. I mean, some people have, I don't know, petrified french fries or melted crayons. But one thing that shouldn't surprise you are continental belts. I'll bet you didn't know. They're original equipment in tens of millions of FCA, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also original equipment on the majority of BMWs and Volkswagens. Now Continental is launching an aftermarket line of the Multi-V-Belt. It's their original equipment technology series. And Continental has an OE technology series multi-V-belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you get enough surprises working on cars and trucks already. A belt shouldn't be one of them. So go with the Continental OE technology series multi-V-belt. It's the belt with original equipment pedigree. You can get the full story by visiting oetechnologyseries.com. When you think of the things you do every day, maybe it's brushing your wheels to clean them, but brushing your teeth probably isn't top of your mind. For something that's so important to your health, and it should be, that's why Quip wants to help you brush better. Quip was called the best electric toothbrush by GQ and the Tesla of toothbrushes by Bloomberg. My son has a toothbrush with a timer on it. It makes Star Wars Darth Vader noises, and so he knows how long to brush. But you become an adult, and you just it's this subconscious thing you do. Quip's got a built-in timer. It actually vibrates and indicates when you need to change the size of your mouth. And it also tells you how long to brush so you get the dentist-recommended two minutes. I'm attracted to this just by the design alone. It's slim. It's slender. I really appreciate the design of this toothbrush. 75% of us don't refresh our bristles every three months, let alone visit the dentist every six months. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash driver right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash driver. Let me spell that so we're clear. This is G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash driver now. Everybody's got a to-do list. You know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk... Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you do is go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% on your car insurance, or maybe even more. Got extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding thing you do today. Let's talk about Brush Hero real quick. It is a must-have, I think it is, for your car care arsenal. Brush Hero is water-powered. It's a detailing tool. It doesn't move quickly. It actually, it's this very simple little thing. You look at it and you think, how does this work? It's this very simple thing. It just has lots of torque. You can get two great brush heads, a soft one for sensitive surfaces and a harder one for stubborn, stubborn muck. I used it on a mountain bike and it was brilliant. While originally designed for fast and easy expert-level car and motorcycle detailing, the Brush Hero can clean virtually anything. You name it. Rain gutters, barbecues, lawnmowers, boats, and more. It's really easy to use. Just hook it up to any standard garden hose, flip the handy on-off switch, and start cleaning. It's a great gift idea, too. They've got an extensive line of gift sets and accessories. Everyday Driver listeners can enjoy 10% off their order at BrushHero.com with the code DRIVER. That's right. Use the code DRIVER for this show to get 10% off. You can also find Brush Hero at select Costco and Walmart stores if you don't want the discount. All orders over $40 ship for free. And again, if you use the code DRIVER, you get 10% off. 
Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. We're back with George and Sarah H. in Guatemala City, Guatemala. They are looking to turn over the entire garage. They have written to us with willingness (laughs) and openness, saying... Yeah, yeah. We love cars. They're interested. Mm-hmm. This is going to be very interesting, as a matter of fact. For sure, for because, sure. Because, well, George is, uh, of course, into the the hot cars. I'll say the usual suspects. Things like the Avora, the M2, mm-hmm. the GT350R Mustang. Mm-hmm. All the fun, the, the toppers of all of our lists, that, you know, cars we aspire to. Yeah. But his wife is looking for something that she can make her own. That is, well, he refers to it as she likes the boxy styling of mm-hmm. kind of the 80s SUVs, but she yeah, wants yeah, it to yeah. be hers that she doesn't have to worry about, you know, mm-hmm. letting the kids eat ice cream from the car seat and bring it, not having to worry about it. it. So they've got two very different debates here. Mm-hmm. I think George is actually more concerned for his wife than he is for him because he's got such a litany of, hey, I've, I've got this. I can choose I could, whatever. I consider it a follow. But for what do my you guys wife, yeah. what is she into? Is it going to yeah, be yeah, old yeah. Toyota Land Cruisers? Is it going to be... What could be just mm-hmm. hers that she really likes to bomb around in? Mm-hmm. Well, they currently have a big, the big Lexus SUV, the LX450, that he kind of bought. It's a big a, one. You know, just pulled the trigger all of a sudden on this car. Yeah. He's, he's kind of made it into a bit of a rally monster. It's a little bit lifted. It's got some big wheels, and his wife kind of wishes he hadn't done that. But she does like the boxy styling. Yeah. And she does, you know, kind of like the boxier trucks. He really has considered things for her like uh, Jeep Cherokee or Defender 90. The uh, you know the, the the old Toyota Land Cruisers. She's kind of interested in that world, mm-hmm. but yeah. he's a little stumped because that can be a rabbit hole too. And, yeah, and she, the budget. Here's the thing: the budget is up to eighty k. You can find Defender one tens that'll blow out your budget. Well, that budget yeah. that budget is for both of them. I know though. that's what I'm saying. I mean, we well, could, yeah, we Defender one tens really, will blow we that. Get budget. ourselves down the the down the road here and be like, the whole budget's gone. All we got was one car, so we got to be careful. Uh huh. Well, George currently has an E thirty nine M five in storage back in the states. Oof. And he says that they have a work car wherever they are. So the only daily driver that, you know, will be for his wife, she will not likely have a large commute. And she's looking for something with good visibility, big windows, sunroofs, removable removable tops, large enough to carry the three of them. So a family car with, he said, quote, you name the equipment, camping, surfing, diving, sporting gear, whatever it. it is. And again, back to this simple interior thing. It's almost like I'm hearing, I want to hose it out or just do a quick quick wipe down or something. I want to not stress it. Quick rag. Yeah, for sure. And for sure. If I feel like it. Yeah. And something unique looking. She said, well, George said she likes the safari type of look a lot. Mm-hmm. Said cherry red or sky blue paint jobs, wood paneling. So you're thinking, you know, Defenders and Jeep Wagoneers yeah, and yeah, old yeah. Land Cruisers and stuff like that. Because she doesn't care if it's super fast or super comfortable. No. She no, just no. wants to bomb around in something. Totally. Totally. Which is I love great. It. I love it. Yeah. I love the list. You had, like I said, the Jeep Cherokee Defender 90 on here. She grew up with her dad's white 61 Corvette that he still has, but they also had the family's old Toyota 40 series, Mm -hmm. which is cool. And they honeymooned in Italy. She discovered and loved the old Fiat Panda 4x4. (laughs) That's what pushed her over the edge. Yeah, that's 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 an over-the-edge car for sure, yeah. (laughs) 
But he's worried about reliability, so he suggested things like the Mini Countryman All Four as a modern vehicle. But I think she's turning up her nose at that one, George. I'm not sounds hearing like a, a sounds like resounding. A, yeah. I like that, but she likes the brick on wheels kind of styling, mm-hmm. and again, she wants it to be hers. Mm-hmm. So we've got. You know, Sarah's car to cover. We've got George's car to cover here. Where did you want to start? We've got the most of maybe eighty grand. And here's the thing I think is fascinating about this: these are cars they're gonna they're gonna test drive and buy in the fairly near future. But mm-hmm. these are really cars for when they get back to the states in a couple of years. Yeah. So yep. what I like is that George is already shopping. That makes me laugh. And he takes regular trips back to the U.S. where he will try to tour a lot of these cars or mm-hmm. test drive these cars, yeah. so they know what they're getting. So they're headed that way, and this is kind of the research mode. So I've got some to-drive stuff okay, oh, good. Good. that I think you should drive now, and it can influence your situation. George really wants a sports car. Yeah, he does, even and though he, that M5. And he really prefer to have 2 plus 2. George, you need to sell me that M5 if you ever think about getting rid of it. Frightening. It may be for sale soon. Wow. Yeah. So he, he really wants something that he can drive, and if need be, the three of them can go somewhere. It's not going to be its primary use, but the three of them could go somewhere. So that's why the 2 plus 2. But if he takes it to a high-performance driving day at a track, it's a worthwhile car to be there in, which mm-hmm. is not really the M5. Not really. It can, so, but and, and, and those cars are precious want, and rare. And totally. And if we really want you know. to, we could split this into three cars, meaning car for the wife, truck for the wife, and then he has a more normal daily and then a car that is more tracking. But I'm trying to get you into one car you can enjoy all the time. Okay. And this is for this Sarah? Is for, this is, no, this is for George. Okay. 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 And your short list I like. I mean, you've said you know you could go with any of our usual suspects, the Miata, the, the RX-8 S2000, the 86s, of course. Mm-hmm. A Cayman is great, GT350 M2. But you've said the Evora 400 kind of haunts you. It haunts me too, George, <laughs> by the way. Uh, so that is a great one. I, I think you need to drive an Evora. It sounds like what, one thing that's happened in this story across the board is that you've bought cars from afar. Right. And you've done well. Right. You've kind of researched and thought about, but you've bought that, that M5 you drive that you love. You'd never driven one. You bought it. First time it drove it was it was yours. It rolled off, got delivered, and now you drove the car. Thank God you like it. Mm-hmm. So you need to drive the Avora because I like that you like it. Of course, I'm the Lotus guy. The Avoras are awesome. I would love to own one. I, I love the 400. The 400's I'm in amazing. love with 400's that car. Amazing. And it's on my personal extreme short cool. list. Yeah. But. The 400's not really low enough to be talked about here yet. In price, why exactly. is you talking? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you're looking at still the, 80, the standard grand. Evora or Evora S, which you could get for 45, but I've yeah. spent just over half your budget now. So drive it. I don't know that it's a match here, though. For I what he's looking for, I, I don't you think? know that it... Look, I love them, but I don't know that it is kind of usable and normal enough. He's coming out of an M5, which is very usable into an Evora, which is uh, quite a bit the other way. It's not as usable as you think it is. It's got back seats, but it's just, it's still yeah. a fun, and I, low, hot it, sports it, car. It looks crazy usable compared to my Elise, but that well, is so extreme comparative to normal you know, cars. So is anything. So, yeah. So Shopping trolley So dri- drive the Evora. I also think something not on your list that needs to be on your list, you need to drive the 2005 to 2012 that generation 911 that is the 997 911 you need to at least drive one mm-hmm. cuz yeah. you can get a nice yeah. one for 40 grand and i think that is i think usability wise that 911 is what you think and hope the avora will be i can see that yeah i love the avora i personally would prefer the avora but i'm just thinking about this is your only car to do it all the 911 does it better 
you're not going to walk around to the front of your Evora and think, I've got a huge front. You're not. You're not. You don't have that. Yeah. So I just, I think it's a little more of the usable variant. Yeah. I also think because of your BMW love, by the time you get here, a couple years, couldn't you get an M2 for forty forty five? It's on his list. I and know. that's and my top that's, car for George, yeah. actually. That's my top one. I'm glad you said that because, yeah, you've got the cars that could be considered on the lower end of the power scale. So the Miata, the RX-8, S2000, all the stuff that we love. Yes, yes, yes. But after owning the M5 and mm-hmm. kind of pursuing something that's just going to put a ridiculous smile, mm-hmm. yes, that can be low power. Yes, of course, I'm arguing absolutely. That. But with your budget and, like Todd said, once you get back, $45,000? Heck, now that's making me think about, all right. <laughs> Look out. No, we're, I'm, I'm, still, I'm past the rear deck on I'm the house. I'm still trying to I'm get you it. into your winter 928. Oh, that's man. my per- I was just telling before oh. we started the podcast, I mentioned to Paul, I said, envision okay. a 928 okay. with mud flaps. And he kind of lit up. Well, here's why. Side note, George and Sarah, hang on just a minute. <laughs> hang on, everybody. We're off into the Porsche pool. I, I know. Second. I have to say this. But as soon as you said that, I envisioned the safari type of 928. Mm-hmm. Like sure what everybody's do. doing to their 911s, sure lifting them with yeah, the yeah. Rothmans, the mm-hmm. rally, the off-road, yeah, yeah. the mud flaps, and the roof rack. Now imagine that with the 928. I know. With the flaps and the knobbies. And I just about had a conniption fit we, we before almost, we started the podcast. We almost had to just – it was either Paul was going to leave the room or we had to just forget it and go right into the podcast. I had just a, moment. a minute. Yeah, you just really needed a minute. Yeah. I, uh, and then, of course, everybody's sending me photos of you know 928s with the ski boxes and the roof racks and bike yes. racks. And I'm mm-hmm. going – there it is. Okay, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. There's your new winter car. I'm telling you, I think it's Nobody perfect. has done a Safari 928 as far as I know. I'm sure we'll get photos now. I hope yeah. to. I'd yeah, yeah. love to see somebody funny. doing it. If if somebody's turned it into a lifted Safari type of 928. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, imagine with the PDK and the... I know. Uh, now you're building a car. I am. A whole separate thing. Yeah. But if I'm going to Safariize the 928, wow. I have to... You, if you had the money and the Porsche parts catalog, I am terrified for what that would behold. You'd yeah. never see me until no, I we would never have see the build, yeah. and then I'd be driving around. Okay, George and Sarah, rant over. <laughs> back to it's you. not really a rant, but you know what I mean. I'm I'm coming back to your BMW love. Coming back to, I think 911. Yes, that'd be awesome. Cayman, mm. yes, you'd love a Cayman, but the M2 just stirs me. It mm-hmm. just does. It's a great car for this. It's a it's really excellent. Good car for this. It's usable. It's still the, you know what, I can just tool around in it. Mm-hmm. It's just car. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But then you light that thing up and you dig deep into it, and you're going to be astounded. Mm-hmm. It is both, for sure. It does it, it is, very, very well. It is the car on the top of my list. And Sarah, switching over to you, I had thought of, there's a guy actually here south of, uh, of us. Mm-hmm. I think he's down in Heber City. And he's known for just swapping out Chevy LS motors into the J60, the 80s generation Toyota Land Cruisers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't yeah, rebuild yeah. them like the Icon. It's not a whatever. Full thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know a swap. he'll sell them for 18 or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm, it's just yeah. Chevy reliable engine in the Land Cruiser. Spruce up a few things. Go. Yeah. I'm going. Well, that's kind of a nifty idea. You know, he's not. He's making it accessible. It's mm-hmm. not the Icon precious mm-hmm. three hundred thousand dollar thing. And I thought, okay, but what's the modern equivalent of that? Sarah, based on your recommendations, and after we drove one, I think you need the four-door JL brand-new Jeep Wrangler Rubicon. I thought the exact same thing. That is your car because of the top, the doors. Mm -hmm. You can hose it out. You can leave it dirty. Mm -hmm. It's got all the modern tech, and it feels that that old, sturdy feeling. The Mm -hmm. bones are there, but it's got so much modern tech, and it's so capable. Yep. 
That's funny. I, that was my exact. Did you really? That's my single car for her as well. That's the, is, is that's the, the one I landed on. And, and I and I went. I only went broader in one place. I'm going to say Wrangler four door because the problem yeah, with the, the, be the brand new JL is the fact that if you do everything in your Rubicon, it's fifty grand before you touched it. That's a lot well, of this budget. Yeah. So you might want to go JK. You might want to go back one gen, get a late JK. You can get a deal on it, get a four-door of that. Could. You could. It's. I mean, look, I, I like the JL. They've made some nice changes. It is in some ways a big leap, but it's the same reality. Did okay? we just kind of blow their budget if one's 45, call it 45, 50 for Sarah and... George is getting his $45,000 M2. Uh, I'm going to assume that's completely Yeesh. impossible. But that's the thing. If you really had thirty five grand to spend and you went shopping Jeep four-door Jeep Wranglers, you would find a lot of options. They're not going to be the absolute latest JL, mm-hmm. but a lot of options otherwise. Incredibly capable. And here's the thing about the, the Wrangler now. You can go off into Rubicon land, and it becomes incredibly capable off-roader. Or you can back it off, and you keep a lot of that feel, but it comes a lot more comparatively, of a road car. Mm-hmm. The tires get yeah. less aggressive. The suspension's True. a little less hardcore. True, you could. And so what, what I feel like, I feel like your wife's just a truck girl. Yeah. And so, yeah, okay, sure. Sarah, let's get you a truck. So four-door Jeep Wrangler, whatever you can actually afford to get, I agree with you, Paul. I think that is the call. I'm, I was going round and round with Raptors and like NATO spec Mercedes G wagons and Range Rovers. Well, I mean, and then I thought, no, 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 no. You bring it up. The Raptor's worth driving, but the Raptor is at the end of the day, a pickup. And I think she yeah. wants an SUV. Yeah. Agreed. And, and the fact that we're talking about, you know, usable bang around boxy, take panels off Wrangler. Exactly. Wrangler. There we are. I mean, Land Cruisers work. I get it, but just Wrangler gets it done. Exactly. Well, that leads us to social media questions. And guys, if you've got your own car debate, please write to us. We say this all the time. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. Or you can find us on the contact button under the About tab on the EverydayDriver.com website yes, right can, there. Yeah. So either way, write to us. We'd love to hear your debate. George and Sarah, thank you for writing in. You've got homework. And please let us know what happens. Let us know what you think. All right. So there's some questions about this latest Porsche 911 reimagined by Singer Williams DLS car that dropped at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, whose designer was Daniel Simon of Tron, Oblivion. Oh, sure. Of course. He's the designer that did a whole bunch of stuff. Also did the NVIDIA powered autonomous robo car that went up the hill at Goodwood as well. Mm -hmm. But thinking about all this, yes, it's it's set everybody on their ear. Everybody Mm -hmm. was already completely over the moon about Singer 911s or the yeah. Porsche 911 reimagined by Singer. <laughs> Which is just, yeah, that's just too, everybody too just long call to say. It the Singer that's just too long to say. We Moving know on, yeah. what it is. But everybody has just mm-hmm. drooled and fawned over this car, and rightfully yeah. so. They've, it's very cool. They've it's done a lot cool. of details, put a lot of design work. Yes, I want this. But thinking about this has brought me to two thoughts. And that is, first of all, if you've got a car like this, you almost have an obligation to car people to share it to bring it out and get in so. front of them you not to just so. let everybody drive it that's not what i'm saying no 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 no, no. but just get Where it is out it? in public and show it off mm-hmm. not tuck it away in private collections and garages mm-hmm. well this is that thing. you have that obligation agree now. this is that thing that ford is trying mostly kind of successfully i'm not sure to do with the ford gt is they had everybody mm-hmm. apply as who are you going to be that was going to drive it and i don't know that i agree with some of the choices of the people that they gave the car to but theoretically their driving force was pardon the pun to get the car into hands of not collectors with a warehouse 
but people who drive their cars. Which has still happened. It's of course. still going on. And it on. will continue to happen. Yeah. But, but they wanted to get it in the hands of people that were actually going to drive the car because they wanted the car out in the public. I wish that was a requirement here, but I think all of these are going to vanish. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen them, they've announced 75 cars for $1.8 million each. Insane. They're gorgeous. But How long, honestly, is that going to take Stinger to build? 75 cars? They are not fast. But that's fine, because it'll just keep them in business. They'll yeah, keep the money sure. flowing. For Who sure. cares? Yeah. Anyway. But the second thing is the remanufacturing thing. How everybody says, you know, they don't build them like they used to. Or, you know, what if a car, blank car <laughs> company brought back blank old model and yeah, started yeah, making yeah. those again? Yeah. Remember what? Uh, Nissan and Datsun did with the 240Z or the mm-hmm. 280Z. Mm-hmm. They started doing some remanufacturing of these cars, even though the price got a little high. Yeah. But what if some of these manufacturers or private individuals started doing the thing, like I mentioned with the Land Cruiser, mm-hmm. just dropping Chevy motors into them <laughs> and they run. But how about, you know, instead of iconizing everything, let's just do it for like the Chevy K5 Blazer. Mm, interesting. Great. That's what and you're doing. spruce it up. And they're not builds specifically for auction where they're just too precious and they're Mm -hmm. but we're bringing cars back and putting them old cars back on the road that everybody loved (laughs) safety nightmare but super fun i'm telling you everything from the 80s bmw lineup and most Mm. of the 90s Mm. this could be done with what if we had a we singerized or iconized mm-hmm. these cars. Mm-hmm. And think of other manufacturers sure. and models. I mean, uh, we could go old pickup trucks. We could. Who's the person that can put a stuff. GTR engine in the 90s 300ZX? Oh. <laughs> I mean, that would be an expensive build. I of was course thinking it would. Yeah, of course the it would. Acura NSX. What if the Singer version of the Acura mm, NSX? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People would crawl out of their skin to Get all over that car. Bring it. Yeah, it'd be amazing. I mean, just think of the cool things that we could Mm -hmm. do. But again, backing way off to an affordable price land, Mm 30,000, 40,000-ish, somewhere in there of, hey, this cool old thing. And I'm driving it again because it's got modern features and some modern tech in it. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I love it. And old cars back on the road. The uh, Civic Type R has more power than the Acura NSX. That's insane. That's insane. That motor in the the original Acura NSX, you've actually given it a power bump. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, it is. It's nuts. And it's down to a turbo four of instead of six. Is. I'm not saying that's the answer. Blah, blah. I'm just thinking about this is, this is how, what has happened with power. Heck, that engine and anything, the nuts? actually. In the nuts? It's really crazy. Wow. Speaking of these kind of yeah. cars, uh, Lucas wrote in on Facebook and said, what car is the modern equivalent of the S2000? Oh, great question. And ideally with a hard top roof. Hmm. I have two. I have two. Okay. The obvious one that I think has to be mentioned is the current... Miata MX-5 RF. Okay. It's not the same, but it's similar in many, many ways. Sure. I could see that. It's a great roadster. It does have a full top. It's got good tech. I mean, when the, when the S2000 dropped, it was a roadster with a surprising amount of cutting edge tech in the, in, in the cabin, just a nice cabin. I mean, it, it far eclipsed the Miata cabin at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was just a really, really nice cabin. So I think the RF is similar, but similar going the other way is I think the hardtop BMW Z4s. I think balance-wise, they feel kind of similar to the S2000, but they are heavier. They They definitely feel heavier. A lot more power. But I think those are related as well. So those two cars, neither one of them really does the S2000 thing. We've already talked about Honda from the 90s in this podcast, but I think both of them, you can see that car from there. I think they're both similar enough. Hmm. Well, there's a question on Instagram over here from Ovent Brello, which asks, which cars are the best sleepers? Hmm. 
And, you know, the comment is all about Chevy SSs, and yes, they're pretty loud, and they don't sleep, quote-unquote, as well as a Buick Regal GS, which is interesting. But which cars are the best sleepers or surprise people the most? And, you know, you're right. We could make an episode out of that idea. And I started out with the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. <laughs> Nobody expects a Jeep Grand no. Cherokee to laser beam past. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. But then I thought, okay, what about, you know, all the Mercedes AMG cars, mm-hmm. debadged. Yeah. Yeah. Very much sleepers. Mm-hmm. But then I threw that out the window because for the modern day equivalent, it's electric cars. Oh. Nobody's thought of yeah, I see that. any electric car. I don't care if it's a Leaf or a Volt. Mm-hmm. You've got acceleration that people aren't expecting. <laughs> you're, whatever you're driving that's all electric, it can be the Leaf. You're leaving the light first. Yeah. Whatever you're in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was originally thinking, okay, first, maybe some swaps. You know, the like you said, the Civic motor, the Civic sure, Type sure, R motor yeah. in the NSX or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd have to be custom builds. But then, no, Dodge is kind of doing that already. And they're throwing that Hellcat motor and just about <laughs> everything. everything they can get their hands huh. on. That's a big hood. I hope that they do it with their, their huge pickup trucks next. Probably. Drop the yeah. Hellcat in that because... Of course it'll happen. Yeah, of course it'll happen. Yeah. But then, yeah, electric cars are up there with the... What, that, the electric car can do that? I knew electrics were cool. And I, th- mm. I was thinking green and clean and all that stuff. But how about just for a hot rod? Yeah, sure. Electric cars. I see that for sure. Uh, we've kind of walked around this question a couple of times. Nick wrote in and said, if you were, if we were all required to have an LS swapped car in our life, money, no object, <laughs> required to have an LS swapped I love car, this. what would you do? Oh, I know what you'd do. Yeah. I mean, my first one, and I've got to think of another one because I think my first one is obvious, but I would do a really great LS swap in the FRS yeah, 86 yeah. chassis. I would love that. That's that's the Corvette I want in my life, that one right there. Yeah, I can, but, I can but see that. I, there's got to be others. What what else is on your brain? Well, 928 could easily swallow an you, LS. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. That 928 could be great. Yeah. That could be good. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, other – it'd be European for sure. It'd be small and European. Sure. And, yeah, I yeah. mean, we've got the flying Miatas. We've got the monster Miatas already, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool, but – I'm thinking just, yeah, something something hot. How about the Z06 motor in the 928 or something? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. A 920. Hang on. That's that's double the horsepower of the one you had. Double. 650 and horsepower and slow. torque. It wasn't slow. In a car that was already genuinely fast. What's crazy is my 928 had 316 horsepower out of a 5-liter V8. I know. My Cayman's got 340. Mm-hmm. Out of a 3.4 liter But the Z06 motor in that 928 would double Double. the horsepower. Double it. Yeah. That is absolute utter madness. It's fantastic madness, but it's utter madness. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah, just, I don't know, small cars or some SUVs that need power. What about, honestly, I didn't think about this, though, this moment. What about an LS in an Evora? Mm. That would be difficult from a packaging perspective, and I think you would probably lose probably lose what uh, storage you have you'd lose your back seats is what you do because of the transmission know. to reconfigure i think it's mission probably more possible to lose your trunk space such as it is than your back seat but either way you're going to lose some storage i suspect you're going to lose some space in that car mm. but you go from you know a car that is around 400 horsepower because it's got a supercharger on a camry motor to a car let's okay let's go z06 there but but no oh. let's let's not for a second let's just do the non supercharged the yeah. normal four hundred and fifty four hundred and sixty horsepower big old V eight LS in that 
you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in war. That, that'd be crazy. That'd be an interesting and hard build, but fun. It's interesting because the Esprit did that at the end of its life with the Esprit V8. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it just seems like low tire ripe for power bumps. So many little motors in that car. Crazy number of motors, yeah. Hmm. Well, there's a f- question on Instagram. Fab63 asks us, what are our thoughts on Mercedes working on a Cayman competitor? Imagine that, a small Mercedes. Believe it when I see it. And Maserati targeting the remaining Porsche models. Maserati's got to do something. Maserati, <laughs> ra- warning, warning, Maserati rant is coming. I'm giving the floor to Paul. It's, it's only up from here for Maserati, let's be honest. But for Mercedes working on a compa- Cayman competitor, I say lovely. I think Mercedes has room to bring back something small, luxurious. Agreed. And possibly, if their game, a manual transmission. Well, what about possibly? Imagine the GTS, okay, which we all, which we both love. Yeah. Imagine that stepping down to be a Cayman competitor. What is the cheaper version of that idea from Mercedes? Because smaller, the cheaper. GTS is fantastic as a 911 Comparo. Yeah, it's a really it's interesting brilliant. alternative to the it's 911. Brilliant, really, car. really fun car. But what if they stepped that down and back in price, mm. and now it's sitting there at around 70, 60 or seventy, and is. Targeting the cable. I will believe it when I see it, but it is a fascinating idea. That'd be really interesting. I just, I love the, uh, the, the future spawning ideas like this and car companies kind of realizing, you know, we can keep doing this because I think niche is the, the key word from here on out mm-hmm. because everybody's going to want such a particular thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and car companies are going to be willing to build. I think BMW is kind of leading the way in, in not only executing that, but thinking, well, Everybody's going to want some kind of small electric, and then they're going to want a big electric car, and now they're going to want a nine-row SUV. <laughs> nine-row SUV. nine passenger. Nine rows. <laughs> nine-row SUV. You know what I mean. I bought a train. You look see my train? It's Here's my train. It's huge and yeah. ugly and enormous, and they're going to sell the daylights out of Yeah, them. for sure. I've got a last me. one from Instagram. It's uh, uh, Thomas, Hall on, uh, Thomas Hall 10 writing to me. He says, Todd, what would be the ultimate climber car? Oh, he describes yeah. it as a climber dirt bag car. I, just, I, I read that to say this, Thomas, that you're imagining money no object, build the perfect car that can go to every climbing crag you can imagine and is still an enthusiast car. This is hard because some of the climbing crags are not down nice roads. Some of them are down brilliant roads. Some of them are down terrible roads. So it's got to be versatile. Mm, sure. Okay. Here's where I go. Pick how much money you can spend in this scenario. But it is the Rally Eyes 911. Ooh. You either get oh. the really cheap, you know, you buy the old one, you get the really cheap one, and you do the, the Lee Keen's done it, and Matt's doing it to his. Totally. You, you, you do a little lift kit and the knobbies and the big soft suspension, but they're chuckable and they drift and that kind of stuff. But yet you've still got front storage and back seat storage for gear. Okay? Let's be honest. Mm. Your climbing gear, it's not a, a sport without gear, but it is all gear you have to carry. Yeah, you so it's bring not it. ridiculous about you know the amount of gear. You're not hauling you know trucks of gear because you have to carry it all into the you crag and you have to climb with it. Exactly. But so so it's know. one of the things where it's got to. It's probably all going to fit in a couple of backpacks. Yeah. So between your front and the back seat, done. If you can step up to recent, imagine a current because of how much bigger and nicer they've gotten. A current 911 4S done rally, dude. Full body paint protection film, 4S system rocking, dude. Take that down a back road. You've got bumps. You don't care. But the road's fast. You still don't care. Oh. It does that body roll like, you know, the the uh, the aerial nomad? Oh, yeah. The knobby thing with the big body yeah, roll. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's that kind of idea while you sit in luxury. Oh. <laughs> Sold. There you go. 
I'm done. Wow. All right. Well, last question for me from Seth K on Facebook. What are our thoughts on buying cars where the company doesn't exist, at least in the U.S., like Saabs and Peugeot's? One phrase, and that is marshal your friends to come work on your car. <laughs> we just saw Lancia Delta Integrale 1989. Cool. It's not a full-on race car, and, and as Chance says, and he's right about this, there's no original race cars. Hmm. They replace the parts. It's a race car. <laughs> yeah. If you ever see Sing. for sale on the auction block, all original race car, all original based on what? Yeah, run away. If That's... it was ever raced, they did something. Something has been replaced on of it. Of course. And, and nobody kept track. They were just like, that needs a new fender. Done. Exactly. Yeah. All original race car. It doesn't exist. But this car was a group A sort of a, a rally test car. So it is a genuine car, but he just he doesn't know the provenance of it. Mm, of course it, he does. It's yeah. badges in 89 and he drives and he says, this car breaks. <laughs> Marshall, your friends, buddy. And he said, I do all the my own work. And if mm-hmm. it needs a part, I have to make it. The baffle in the oil pan. I had to make a sheet wow. metal thing because wow. the other one was and, done. And who has one? Nobody. So yeah. he talks to the launch of people in the UK and Italy and wow. you know, chases that down. But yeah, you've, you've got to have a little bit of a following and some willing friends. And garage time. And garage sure. time. Yeah. Friend with a lift. Yeah. Or one yourself. Anyway. Wow. Guys, thank you so much for listening, for following along. We've got a crazy couple of weeks finishing things off. Hope you're loving the uh, the Velocity Seasons as well. And that is coming to Amazon Prime and Vimeo a little bit later. We will definitely announce that when it comes your way. For sure. Huge thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to next time. Cheers. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.